Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Well, good morning. Welcome to Crossview Church Online today. For the past few weeks, we have been looking at several of the I Am statements of Jesus. And what's fun about these statements is that we get to learn directly from Jesus himself about the character and the nature of God. You know, another significant observation that we've been making is to see how Jesus is connecting himself to the I am of the Old Testament, especially in and around the story of the Exodus and the Israelites' understanding of how God works in that whole story. So far, we've looked at when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and where he said that I am the light of the world. And if you've missed those few messages, feel free to go back and check out our website and look through all of those messages. You know, so these are different ways that Jesus has described himself. Think about that for a moment. If you had to describe yourself in a few brief statements, how would you do it? Maybe you'd start listing things like, I'm a mother or a father, I'm a sister or a brother, I'm a grandmother, a grandfather, a student, a teacher, an administrator, a business person, and on and on. What about describing characteristics? Like, uh, you might describe yourself as funny, caring, introverted, extroverted, a peacemaker. Maybe you'd tell us about your personality or your gifts. But when Jesus himself Uh, When he describes himself, he uses these very powerful metaphors connecting himself to his hearer's understanding of God. He's also teaching about the character and the nature of God, and it's really incredible to notice these things. You know, another amazing aspect of these I am statements is that Jesus is almost always describing himself in relationship to us in one way or another. For example, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, We recognize that Jesus didn't come to satisfy himself, but he came to give us full and abundant life. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he didn't come seeking the light of fame. He came as a servant to light our way to God. Now, this is a a really incredible aspect of these statements. So today we turn to another passage in the Gospel of John that works a lot uh, the same way. So first, to tell us something about the nature uh, and of God, and second, to provide for us in some way. And we find this in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, and it reads like this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If there were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I don't know about you, but I love Thomas. Thomas is unafraid to admit that he doesn't understand. Lord, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) We don't know uh, where you're going, so how can we know the way to follow you? And I'm reassured that when I follow Jesus, I'm joining a crowd of people who throughout history have had to admit at times 
We just don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so I appreciate that because even though I've been following Jesus for a long time, and many of you have been also, and even though we have the advantage of time that Thomas didn't have, we often could say to Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus, I just have no idea what you're saying right now. So the good news is that Jesus is patient, and he was back then, and he, uh, he is uh, for us now in these days as well. You know, in fact, what happens is Jesus answers Thomas and says, it's okay, Thomas, let me give you the answer. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So as I mentioned before, one of the primary observations that we've made over the past few weeks in the I am statements of Jesus and how they work is that Jesus is showing us how he's directly connected to the I am of the Old Testament, uh, that Jesus is, is in fact the I am, and he's connecting himself to the story of the Exodus. So here again, in this passage, Jesus is making some direct connections to the Exodus story in the Old Testament. And when we understand this, we see a whole new depth to this well-known saying of Jesus. So let's go back to the Old Testament and Moses in his farewell address to the people before the end of his life. He's reminding the people of a few things that sound very familiar to today's passage. Moses says this to the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 30 and 31. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you, just as you saw him do in Egypt, and you saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness. Just as the father cares for his child, now he has brought you to this place. A bit later in Deuteronomy chapter 31, in verse 6, at the very end of what Moses is saying to the people, it says this, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you, and he will neither fail you nor abandon you. Now, in the Old Testament story, God goes ahead of the people to prepare a place for them. It was what was called the promised land. But it also includes all of the points of provision provided along the way. So, in essence, God went ahead of his people in the desert, providing places for them as he led them forward to the promised land and his father's house, or eventually the temple. It's incredible when you begin to make these connections. So back to Jesus here in the New Testament. Jesus is leading his followers to his father's house. Now again, this word is connected to the idea of the temple, even the version of the temple that traveled with the Israelites in the desert. But it's also connected for Jesus to this ultimate idea of the promised land or eternity in the kingdom of God. And I love this when you're making these connections to have these insights. It's so powerful. Jesus knows that he's making these connections to the story of Exodus. And as his disciples are hearing him teach, understanding is probably exploding in their mind. Wait, Jesus, so are you saying that you've gone before us, you're leading us, you're guiding us, and you're providing for us now in the same way that God did for our people in one of the most important stories of our history? And Jesus, I wonder, with a grin on his face, maybe a few eyebrow raises, says, Yes, I did it back then, and I'm doing it now again. I am the way, just like I was back then. I am the truth, like I've always been. I am the one who provides life, just like I always have. Incredible. 
In fact, the word that Jesus uses for many rooms in his father's house is monet. It literally means a stopping place. And here it directly recalls the places where the Israelites pitched their tents as they traveled along the way to the promised land. Jesus is saying, remember all of that. Remember how God provided for you and guided you and led you in the way that you should go. Remember how in the dark, one of the darkest times of your history, God gave you hope. God gave you a future. Well, I'm doing that same thing for you here and now. So, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I was back then and I am now. This is pretty amazing stuff. Jesus is so consistently faithful for time and eternity, for generations. God has been bringing his people along. He's been doing the same thing even today, and he can be trusted even with the most difficult parts of your life. So let me ask you this. Where is Jesus in the situations that you face right now? Are you trusting Jesus to be the way to provide you the truth and to give you life? Or have you started looking for answers for those things somewhere else? This is maybe where we can be thankful for Thomas as he struggles because the journey of faith can be filled with, well, I don't know moments, right? You don't have to be a spiritual superstar to follow Jesus. And I'm thankful for Jesus' gentle reminder along the way, allowing us to reorient back to his leading, understanding who he is. And especially, we need uh, to remember these kinds of powerful statements about who Jesus is and how he works in our life and in the context we live in today. You know, last week we talked about how context helps us understand the depth of these statements even more. For example, like last week, uh, when Jesus said he was the light of the world, he did that at the end of the Festival of Tabernacles, and that brings a whole new depth of meaning to understanding what that is. Well, the context of the statement of Jesus uh, that he makes today, when understood in its larger context, has powerful implications. And it starts with what we just talked about, understanding that connection to the Exodus story. But there's more. To understand the full picture of what's happening in this moment, we need to go back one chapter earlier to the beginning of John, chapter 13, in verses 1 and 2, and it says this. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave the world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper. In this story, Jesus is in Jerusalem because they were gathered for the Passover. And uh, being one of the most significant uh, holidays of the Jewish calendar, Jesus had gathered together with his disciples for dinner. Three very sad things were about to happen. First, Jesus knew that his time had uh, come to leave and and leave the world and return to his father. He's about 24 hours away from facing the cross. And he knows this, even if his disciples do not. We call this the Last Supper because Jesus is ours from his own death. Now, what do you suppose the mood is for this gathering? At least maybe for Jesus in his mind. You know, I've had the opportunity to be with families in the last hours of someone's life. And I can tell you that these are always tender and difficult moments. Now, the disciples may not have fully realized what was happening, but Jesus knew. And the words that Jesus speaks here are tender and soft and loving. It tells us that he gathered with the ones that he loved. 
This is gut-wrenching because these three difficult things are happening all at the same time, at the very end of Jesus' time on earth. Jesus tells, the first thing is Jesus tells his disciples that he's leaving. The second thing is that Jesus tells his disciples that one of them is going to betray him. We know this to be Judas. And the third thing is that Jesus tells his disciples that one of them will deny him three times, Peter. Now, we don't have time to go through each of those stories, uh, but this, as all of those things, as well as Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, uh, and, do, and this is all happening around, uh, taking place around this dinner. There's a lot going on. There's a lot changing. And the disciples really aren't, as the, as the meal goes on, they're not really sure what to make of it. And Jesus says, in the midst of all of that, when the disciples begin to realize all that is happening, it might feel to them like they're about to experience another season of wandering in the wilderness, not knowing where to go. And yet, even through the difficulty of this Last Supper, Jesus comforts and reminds his disciples and you and me. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. And before Jesus leaves, he's reassuring them. Jesus knew that this little band could and would be shaken not only by his words concerning his departure, but also by the fact that, that he would soon become the crucified Lamb of God. So, uh, accordingly, he called for them to place their trust not in the power evident in the world, but in God and in himself. And he reminds them that God had done that for them in the desert. And then Jesus makes this powerful claim that he is the only way to experience the fullness of these things. In John 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus told, him, I, told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He restates this in the very next verse, but this time he does it in the positive. He says this, if you know me, you will know my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, this brings to mind a beautiful and powerful passage about Jesus from Colossians chapter 1. It reads like this. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Powerful, incredible. So again, remember the setting of this meal. Jesus knows that they would be afraid and uncertain, and he's reinforcing who he was, who he is. I am the protector, the provider, the guide, the image of God in their midst, the truth that they should embody, the only one who can provide life now and forever, the only one who was the way, the truth, and the life for your ancestors in the desert was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Yahweh, the great I am. And you know what he says? I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
understand that Jesus' most exclusive claim about himself, that relationship with him is the only way to the Father, was spoken in probably one of the most tender conversations in all of the Bible. He's connecting himself to the story of the Old Testament, reminding them that no one else could have and did bring them through, saying that he now, then, and even for us today, is the embodiment of that same God. A powerful moment of realization for the disciples and for you and me. This was Jesus sharing a moment with his disciples where he wanted them to know that they were loved, that he was continuing to provide and prepare something wonderful for them, hope-filled and eternal. He wanted them to connect with the idea that since the very beginning, from the story of Adam and Eve, to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob, to Moses and Joshua, all the way to David, through Jesus, to you and me, that God, it's God and God alone that has been working to provide a way and to bring us back to himself. And so now standing here in front of his disciples, uh, Jesus is the culmination of everything that God has done. God has come himself in the flesh and blood. And in one of the most tender moments at the end of his life, he wants to say the most important things that he can leave with his disciples and for you and me. He makes sure that everybody knows that he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. And he doesn't, he, Jesus doesn't say about himself, I'm just a way, a truth, I'm just one of many l- ways forward. The Bible makes clear over and over that it's God who provides. It's God who's doing everything possible to redeem and restore you and me. And that comes in and through the person of Jesus Christ. And he is inviting you and me and everyone to an ongoing relationship of faith, hope, and love. It's an incredible and powerful moment that we see here in the story. So in the context of this Exodus story, Jesus and Jesus' powerful claims of being the way, the truth, and the life, That is that he is the only way, the truth, and the life for the people back then it is for you and me today. It helps us do some reflection. The questions that come are, are, is there any area of my life where I'm not trusting Jesus to provide? Am I looking for answers for the truth uh, somewhere else without looking to Jesus? Am I trying to find fulfillment for full and authentic life defined by something other than Jesus? Let's join Jesus in this precious moment as he's talking to his disciples and to you and me. Let's hear the depth of what he's saying and reorient our heart, our life, our thinking, our approach to Jesus alone. Because as he's he's proven through his walk through the Old Testament uh, to the New Testament is reinforcing for his disciples, God has worked to bring us back to himself. And we find that in the person of Jesus Christ. This is a powerful story, and I'm so thankful that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life for all of us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the depth of these stories is made uh, much more significant when we understand them in the context of the Old Testament. And when we look at the entire story of the Bible, you're reinforcing what you did for the people, what you've been doing for the people, for us. And we see that in and through the person of Jesus Christ. We praise you and we thank you for what you've done. We praise you and we thank you that you are consistently faithful, that you make a way for us, you go ahead of us. 
You prepare places for us, anchor points along the way where you show us yourself, you show us your power, your love, your faithfulness, and you remind us that we can trust you. You're patient with us when we doubt and we say, I don't know what you're talking about. God, I'm so, so thankful. So today, will you just bring into our mind and our heart ways and areas in our life where we need to bring, we need to be reoriented back to you, where maybe we're looking for fulfillment or answers or, or purpose in other things. And you say that you are the only way to experience the fullness of all of those things and that you're pleased to give those to us. Thank you for your grace-filled invitation. We just commit ourselves to you again today and we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray, amen. Let's continue to worship this morning.